Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We thank you for joining us on this episode as we continue our series on Know What You Believe. Know What You Believe. Uh, too many times we have uh, occasions where God wants us to speak up, to offer biblical words to others that they may get to know Jesus. And if they have confessed the Lord, Perhaps they'll be edified. And oftentimes we resist speaking up uh, because we are not thoroughly prepared or we feel uh, ill-prepared or we believe we may be ineffective because of our knowledge base. And so as a result, we quench the spirit and we don't speak up and we don't share what the Holy Spirit is putting on our hearts. And God has saved us to be spiritually attractive. So when we don't share, uh, we bring dishonor to God. When we don't speak up for righteousness, we bring dishonor to God. Uh, Paul puts it this way, that we renail Jesus to the cross when we don't share our faith, when we don't do the things the Holy Spirit has asked us to do, that we crucify him all over again. Because when we don't live the way that the Christian ought to live, we're telling the world that what Jesus said he can do with us is not actually accurate. Now, let me be clear. Everything Jesus has said through his word is is accurate. Uh, We're the ones that present falsehood. Uh, Jesus says or puts it this way, when we're saved and we authentically are in a relationship with God, the evidence is there. It's apparent that we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if someone says they are Christian, but yet produces or or, uh, do not produce the fruit of the Spirit, then it's not God that's the problem, it's us. And if we're not um, exhibiting Christ-like tendencies, we need to reevaluate if we were sincere in our profession. It's not God. God is more than capable to do whatever he said he's going to do, and God never lies. So when there's a shortcoming. It's never God. It's always us. Sometimes people delude themselves into thinking that they are believers when actually they just professed without giving God their heart. So it's not just the mere fact of professing Christ, but we have to make sure that we have an authentic relationship with him. And if we have an authentic relationship with him, 
the signs follow, meaning that uh, we live out the creeds of the Bible, meaning that we allow the Holy Spirit to influence us. It means that we can't do everything we want to do. It means that we're living for Jesus. And part of that living for Jesus is pointing other people back to him. So if we're Christians and, and the Bible gives us a laundry list uh, of various things we can do to make sure that our relationship is authentic. And, we, and then we don't want to be, uh, when we talk about this topic, we're not, we don't want to be um, legalistic in the sense that if you say, I pray every day, pray without ceasing. If you say, I've given to the poor, you help out in the soup kitchens and uh, you, you, you help out in other areas, um, the clothing closet and things like that. Um, so that's number two. Or if, if you say, um, I, I, I always repay my debt. Those are lists that, yes, you can accomplish. But just because you have a list of devout things that you can check off doesn't necessarily mean that you know the Lord. There are plenty of people who do good works and yet have not given their heart to Christ. And then the other side, which um, I, I'm, I'm trying to emphasize, is you can say you, you know the Lord, you can say you love the Lord, but if you don't do anything in terms of your actions, then all you are is a sounding brass. So what am I saying? I've said all of that as an introduction to this topic of know what you believe. Every Christian should have the bare essentials in mind or to be knowledgeable about the mere elementary essentials of Christianity. Do you know the major essentials in contrast to the minor essentials? And the major essentials uh, often comes back to the categories of God. Who is God? What is God like? What is God asking humanity to do? So the topic of theology, the study of God, is a major essential. Because in today's culture, there are those who are denying that God even exists. So us talking about God, us talking about the metaphysical world, is important. Because we're dealing with some people who do not know that God exists, who refused to allow themselves to believe that God exists, and those who are sincerely skeptical about God's existence. So it's up to us as Christians to offer an answer to those that ask us questions about our faith. It's up to us to make sure that we're ready to respond. So the issue of God is one topic. Then there's the issue uh, under the doctrine of God, there's this issue of uh, f fidelity, meaning is there more than one God? That's the question at hand. And the answer is no. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how he's identified himself. And the reason why we see the motif of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is God didn't want Israel to be confused in terms of their fidelity, in terms of their marriage covenant, which was established at the foot of Mount Sinai. 
He didn't want Israel to forget that. So God introduces himself as the God who was with Abraham, the God who's with Isaac, and the God who's, who's with Jacob. And so Israel didn't have an excuse, didn't have uh, any reason to say we didn't know which God we were serving. Number one, we serve the true and living God. There is no other God. Any other God outside of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a demigod, D-H-I-M-M-I, a demigod, which is really no God at all. Uh, any other God outside the God of the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and uh, the God who is with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a God made with hands. Any other God outside the God of the Bible is a God made with hands. And, and, and that's how the New Testament puts it. God made with hands, which means that it's human made. Um, humans created this religion. Not the authentic God. The authentic God has proven himself by sending us, um, to, in my uh, stance, an indisputable uh, receipt, which is Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came on the scene, it changed everything. It was showing us that God still loved us, that God still had a plan even after the fall, and that God still has a message of redemption, and he was going to show us how we, could, we can go about being redeemed. So when we talk about the major essentials, these essentials are non-negotiable. These essentials are important to Christianity, and we can't, you, can't, you can debate it, but it's not going to make a difference. These essentials are binding upon all Christians. So when it comes to the, the, uh, the, the uh, teaching about God or the reality of God, the existence of God, it's non-negotiable. All Christians must believe in the monotheistic God who sent his son Jesus to Christ. That's what makes us brothers and sisters in the Lord, the belief of God, the one and only God, not the pluralistic uh, concept. That's, that, that's um, uh, falsehood. That's heresy. Uh, Christians cannot believe in multiple gods. We have to accept the God of the Bible who's revealed himself through Jesus the Christ. So that's number one. And we talked about that in previous episodes. Then we talked about the doctrine of Christ. And there's many uh, skeptical views about Christ. Uh, there are many skeptics who refuse to accept Christ for who he is and what he's done. There are those that challenge the atonement. Uh, there are those that say, well, Jesus, uh, we, we agree with you that there was a historical Jesus, but he really didn't die. He just, um, he just passed out. And then when he came to, people assumed that um, he had risen from the dead, but he really didn't die. He just passed out. And that's called the swoon theory. And to that, we say uh, the swoon theory is not a good argument. Um, there's no uh, document outside of theory that he passed out. Uh, those that wrote about the resurrection were clear in their message. And then uh, we, we, we learn from the scriptures that 
uh, at least uh, 500 people saw the post-resurrected Christ. So um, it, it, it wasn't illusory. It wasn't mythology. When Jesus died on a cross, there were eyewitnesses there that saw him die for certain. And then on the third day, he rose up. So there are those that challenge the resurrection. But again, uh, where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Uh, and then you have to look at Roman history and, and uh, Roman standards. Uh, Roman soldiers would not just have glossed over Jesus passing out if that's what really happened. No, they made sure they, uh, that Jesus was dead before they buried him. So the miracle uh, of our profession, which Paul talks about, the resurrection is the centerpiece of our message. No one else has risen from the dead but Jesus. And he's the one that can rise other people or raise other people from the dead. So when we talk about the resurrection, we need to be able to respond in an intelligent way uh, about this resurrection. We talked about the eyewitnesses and their testimonies. Uh, that is essential. That is important. And then you even have uh, extra biblical sources, sources that are outside the Bible that talks about uh, the resurrected Christ and what the, the, the news that they heard about Jesus uh, from that close proximity of when they lived. So um, there's more evidence for Christ actually dying and rising back up versus uh, this theology or this theory that he just uh, passed out uh, from the experience. So you have people with all kinds of ideologies, but here's the thing. God wants us to respond a certain way. God saved us with a standard. God could have said, I'm going to save you and long as you're comfortable in your faith, as long as you have a church that you love, as long as you're practicing the virtues of the Bible, then I don't need you to share your faith. God could have set it up that way. God could have said, uh, keep your Christianity private. God could have said, I realize that you are an introvert, so uh, it's okay for you not to say anything about the gospel. Or uh, God could have said, if anybody asks you a hard question about your faith, then uh, just pray for them and wish them God's speed and let them go about their way. But God didn't say that. God commands us to do the opposite. He wants us to be ready to give each man or woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and to do it with gentleness and respect. That's the standard. So since God is requiring this of us, we have to be ready to stand up to the plate. We have to be ready to uh, give each person an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us because their conversion, their understanding is going to come through uh, us, meaning that God is going to use us as a conduit, but the power source is him and his word. We just need to do our part and allow God to speak through us. So we talked about God's existence. We talked about the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Uh, Christology, the study of Christ. And in Christ, even in the first century, uh, there were heretical views about the man Jesus. Uh, was Jesus a smaller God than the Father, as uh, modalism uh, and, and Arianism uh, inferred? Uh, Arianism was more explicit 
uh, with, um, with Arius talking about Jesus is not equal to the Father, but he's uh, a smaller G than a Father. Smaller, not a capital G, but a smaller G. And uh, Arianism uh, caused the church, the ecumenical church, to come together and develop the Nicene Creed. And when you get a chance, you can look up the Nicene Creed in response to the ontology of Christ. Who is, jo- who is Jesus, really? Is, is he, uh, was he created by the Father? And the Nicene Creed affirmatively says no, that Jesus is made up of the same stuff as God the Father. Uh, there's a minister friend of mine who puts it this way, um, and he uses this in an anthropomorphic way, uh, meaning that um, we're talking about God, but we're using human examples to the best of our knowledge to describe what's actually going on. It doesn't completely capture it, but since we're humans, this is the best we can do. He says that if God the Father needed a blood transfusion, and again, this is just speaking in a metaphorical way, he was saying that if God the Father needed a, a blood transfusion, Jesus would be a perfect match. Then he also says that God the Father uh, and God the Son shared the same fingerprint. And so he's doing his best, right? We know God is a spirit, but he's doing his best to give, give us a humanistic understanding of what's going on. What we understand from Scripture without twisting the scripture, is that God the Father and God the Son are equal in terms of their divinity. Jesus is not a lower God. And we shouldn't treat Jesus as just a man. Even some believers sometimes um, go about their way or teach the doctrine of Christ as if Jesus is just a good prophet like Muhammad or he just a good sage like Buddha. No, Jesus is God the Son. He created everything in this life. And there's not anything that was made that he didn't make, according to John, uh, first and second chapter. So we got to be clear when it comes to the doctrine of Christ. We have to know this. We have to know that God exists, number one. And we have to know that Jesus is God the Son. And we have to know that Jesus uh, worked on the cross was complete. It wasn't partially complete. Uh, That's another heresy. There are those uh, who believe that Jesus didn't die for all of humanity, that he only died for some uh, people. And that's uh, that's a a, a false way to look at uh, God's work on the cross. So again, we have to make sure we understand what the major essentials are. And then when we talk about Jesus, uh, Jesus rose up physically, not spiritually like the Gnostics were teaching. He rose up physically. The Gnostics would teach that Jesus came to them spiritually, and because he came to them spiritually, other people could not see it. But yet, this Jesus that they talk about was able to communicate with them that the material world was evil, uh, 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 as well as other things. And so because the material world is evil and the body uh, is part of the material world, they rejected the body of Christ. Uh, so they taught that the, uh, the body or the physical world was evil. And so because the physical world or the body is evil, 
then they rejected the physical resurrection of, of Christ. They teach that Jesus rose up spiritually. And so it reminds me of Galatians, the first chapter, where Paul says, whether it's me or an angel from heaven, preach a gospel to you that's different than what you received before. Let them be a curse. And I'm summarizing. You can read Galatians, the first chapter for yourself. But that's what we have to do. We got to make sure that we stand in sound doctrine. And by sound doctrine, we're talking about who gaze. That's the Greek word, which means healthy. Stand in the healthy teaching of Jesus Christ. That's what we're faced with today. And don't be uh, fooled by people using the same language as you. Just because someone says Jesus doesn't mean they're talking about the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus himself said, in the last days, there's going to be those uh, who, who come across and they say, did I not, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not heal in your name? Did I not preach in your name? And eventually Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, O worker of iniquity. So what is Jesus talking about? Jesus is saying, just because someone else may use the name Jesus, just because someone else may be using the term salvation, just because someone else may be using the title Christ, just because someone else say they believe in God, doesn't necessarily mean they're in the family. I'm going to say that again. Just because someone uses the same vernacular that you may be using, you can't automatically assume that they're part of the family. You have to spend time dialoguing with this person. You have to make sure that you drill a little bit deeper to make sure that they have a biblical understanding. Why? Because even those in the cults use the same language that we use. And you, you won't find out what their meaning of those words are until you have a discussion with them. So it's very important that uh, we understand the major essentials of the faith. So when we run into opposition, we know what the truth is. So it's very important that we know the theology of God, that we learn the theology of Christ as it relates to his humanness, as it relates to his divineness, as it relates to his work on the cross. That's very important. And Jesus Again, uh, he's uh, God the Son, he's distinct, he's the Savior of the world, and we can't lower him uh, to be on the same level as other demigods. So please don't forget that. Uh, We're going to continue this discussion on our next episode in terms of know what you believe. Um, We are heading towards the Bible and the Bible manuscripts, and we have some good information to share And we pray that you've been edified for this episode. But before we uh, close out on this show, just wanted to remind all of you that the Apologetics Boot Camp is coming up April 30th. If you have not signed up, we encourage you to sign up. You don't want to miss it. Uh, For students, sixth grade through college uh, slash young adult, we ask that you sign up your children. And if you're a young adult or in college, we ask that you sign up. If you're a parent or an adult, we ask that you sign up. So uh, April 30th is the date, and we look forward to seeing you. Go to abcsac.org, abcsac.org, and you can register online. Uh, We're looking forward to seeing uh, all of you, as well as your children and great-grandchildren and grandchildren, and and the young adult college students. We're looking forward to seeing you as well. So please remember to donate. You can go online 
And remember to continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.